Well, this morning I have a, um, I probably won't get through this, so when you begin to stand up and walk out, I'll bring it to an end, and, um, but as long as you're sitting down, I'll keep going. But I, I want to talk to you today about overcoming, and I want you to hear this. Everyone say, I'm listening. Don't let your attention to an end already. I want you to hear what I'm going to bring to you today because what I want to do is encourage you to overcome the most dangerous enemy to your destiny. And it ain't the devil. It's not even the demons of hell. The most dangerous thing to your destiny is your comfort zone. Your, your, your addiction to being comfortable will cost you your destiny. And so I want to... I want to. I want, and when I say you, I'm talking me too. Yes, sir. We all need to grow in order to do what God has called us to do. And so I'm going to ask Sister Fowler, Sister Fowler, if you would put up Genesis chapter 1. I want to read to you this verse, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. And I'd like it out of the original New Living Translation best off, but my wife says this is my favorite verse, and it may be. And see if she can get it up there. Give her just a second. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. The Lord says here in the word, And God blessed them. He's speaking of man and women. And God said to them, now listen to this, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And I want to stop right there. The original edition of the New Living Translation worded it what I feel was the best when it said, and let them master life. Now here's what I want to say to you as we get into the sermon, because this isn't part of the sermon, this is just the first rabbit running across the field. That God never changed his mind. I want you to hear that. Every one of us are called to master life. It is time you and I get in front instead of always chasing life. That instead of always being reactive, we become proactive. Amen. Amen. Daniel says that those who know God will be strong and do exploits, meaning they'll take preemptive action. Before the enemy has a chance to attack, they will have already gone on the attack. Amen. Amen. And so here's, as we're getting into this, what I want to say to you today is it doesn't matter what occupation, what title, what place you fill in life, each and every one of us have a calling. And we are called to be fruitful. I want to say that again. We are called to be fruitful, to produce that our life, we're more than consumers, we're producers, that everything we put our hands to prospers and out of our life flows living waters. We're producing. Whether it's words, it's drama, it's dance, it's business, we're producing. You're called to produce. You're called to take dominion. You're called to master life. Now what I want to say to you is this. We can't do that in our comfort zone. We can't do that unless we're willing to be made uncomfortable. Amen? Amen. And so now let's go ahead and get started. If you haven't guessed it yet, the title of this morning's message is Comfort Zone. I want to read to you just two verses, but I'm going to read them to you three times. 
out of three different translations because I want you to get it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I'm going to read to you verses 24 and 25. This is the New American Standard. It says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must. Everyone say must. Must, must means that it's of obligation. It's of necessity. It's not optional. He must. Everyone say must. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever wishes to save his life will. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now let me read you those same verses out of the Amplified. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, and that's me, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interest, and take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if in need be, in dying also. Amen. Verse 25, for whoever is bent on saving his temporal life, his comfort and security here shall lose it eternal life. And whoever loses his life, his comfort and security here, for my sake shall find it, life everlasting. Now, the Lord told me many years ago, Whoever and whenever we are more interested in our comfort than we are our calling, we've already aborted our destiny. You see, your destiny does not lie within your comfort zone. No, no, no. God's too ingenious to place it in a, in a spot where you don't have to grow to become more than who you are in order to do it. God has given you a destiny, he's given you a dream, he's given you a goal, but he placed that right outside your comfort zone. Why? Because we need to grow into it in order to obtain it. I'm telling you, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being comfortable. Comfortable makes us fat. Comfortable makes us flabby. And I'm talking not only in the natural, but in the spiritual as well. Every good thing in life lies outside our comfort zone. You know, I've discovered, and I shared this with you some years ago, I went into the GNC. And when I went into the GNC, there was a guy who looked a lot like what I want me to look like. I mean, this dude was ripped. He had muscles on his muscles. He was one of those guys who could flex it and make everything bounce. And I looked at him, and he, he walked up to me and said, Sir, what can I help you with? I said, I want the pill that makes me look like you. Because, see, I want that, but I want to be comfortable in doing it. I want to be able to look like that while still sucking the cream out of the Twinkie. <laughs> while I'm sitting on my couch eating chips. But that don't come. That vibrant physique and health does not come within our comfort zone. And neither does prosperity, neither does healing, neither does being conformed to his image. Today, we're leaving our comfort zone behind us. Amen. Amen? 
Now let me read this to you again out of the, the, the Passion Translation. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. If you continually surrender to my ways, for if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover, and I like this, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Listen to this. Healthy faith doesn't just celebrate us as we are, but relentlessly molds us and refines us into the likeness of Christ. Healthy faith is an uncomfortable faith. Because healthy faith always yearns for more of who he is. Healthy faith always yearns to do more for him. Healthy faith is never a comfortable faith. Hmm. A healthy, uncomfortable faith constantly rocks you, prods you, and blows your mind. Amen? Amen? It's a faith that leaves you restless. Listen, leaves you restless to want to know more, not satisfied with what you've already done or what you already know or what you've already achieved. Uh And here's something I got to say. Listen, it doesn't matter what age we are. It's time to leave the comfort zone. I've heard people tell me, well, pastor, I'm 50 years old. I've got more life behind me than I do in front of me. And I want to tell you that's a lie. That's a lie. And even if you're 90, you still have more life ahead of you than you do behind you unless you believe that you have more with a tomato plant than you do with God Almighty. Because you know when a tomato plant's done, it's done. But you and I, as children of the king, always have more life ahead of us. So it doesn't matter if we're 90 years old and we've only got one more year to go. Give it everything you've got. Leave it all behind and invest yourself in the kingdom because you've got more years ahead of you than you do behind you. Never believe the lie that it's too late. Never believe the lie that you're too little. Never believe the lie that God ain't called you. He's got a destiny waiting on us. But in order to achieve it, we've got to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Our comfort zone is the greatest threat to our destiny. Thinking we've already arrived, I've already given enough, I've already prayed enough, I've already learned enough. It's me time. Should I read those verses again? It ain't me time, it's never me time. Well, Pastor, if if I surrender everything I've got for him... What am I going to have? True life. Abundant life. A life that's beyond what you could ever achieve on your own. You will never outgive God. If we're afraid, if you and I are afraid, well, if I give that much of myself, I'll be left with nothing. It's because we got no faith. 
Because if we believe that he's the God of the Bible, then whatever we give, he will return to us in such a way that it be, shall I say it, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That what little we gave. Well, Pastor, how can you call it little? I gave everything, not compared to what we get back. Not compared to what we get back. And not only in the life to come, but in this life as well. For David said, if I had not believed, I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I ain't going to finish this sermon because I ain't even got to the first point yet. But it's important that you and I realize, hey, we've got a calling. Never believe the lie that you don't have a calling. Never believe the lie that you're insignificant to the kingdom. Never believe the lie that you are not great. Listen, I, 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 I never cease to be amazed by us people. We'll run down to the ocean and be in absolute awe at the immensity and the beauty of the waters and, and wonder at the waves as they roll upon the shore. And if we're there at sunset and we see all the colors fill the sky, if you're at all like me, you begin to say, God, you're such an amazing artist. Look at all the colors. You're outstanding. The work of your hands are something to behold. And then when we jump in our car and we head up to the mountains, be they the Himalayas or the Rockies or even the Smokies, we stand there and we look at the mountains and we think, my God did that with his fingers. What an amazing God we serve. Yet then when we go and we look in the mirror, why are we no longer filled with wonder? How come Psalm 139 doesn't fill our soul? Why don't we look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have made me in your own image. Why? Listen, listen, can I, is this okay? Since I'm not going to be able to finish it, why should I even try following it? We're amazed at the things that God thinks little of. And we disdain the things he thinks highly of. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Read the original account in Genesis. He doesn't tell us how he made the waters. He barely mentions the oceans and the lakes. He doesn't tell us how he carved out the mountains. And yet these are the things we look at and say, wow, your works are really amazing. But the thing that God really cared about, he gave in great detail how he made the man. Oh, he goes into great detail about how he fashioned the woman as a masterpiece. And how, how is it? How can we possibly disdain God's creation and appreciate his redemption? If you devalue his creation, you devalue his redemption. For you are the redeemed of the Lord and you're supposed to say so. It's arrogance and it's not ego it's look at what God has done in me but y'all look at what he's done in me I used to be broken and now I'm whole I used to be shattered he put me back together I used to be a drug addict he set me free I used to be addicted to sin and he look at what God has done in me why is it that we don't look at ourselves with the same appreciation I'll tell you why Because we've been force-fed and we believed a lie. Man has a greater capacity 
to believe deception than he does the truth. And it started with Adam. He believed the lie over the truth. And ever since Adam, we have struggled with the truth and readily accepted a lie. What is the lie? You're unloved. That's a lie. You're unappreciated. That's a lie. You're untalented. That's a lie. You're without worth. That's a lie. You have no destiny, no future, no hope. That's a lie. The truth is, God said, I know the plan that I have for you. And it's a plan that gives you in a future that's filled with hope. No more should we look at the mirror and not be impressed. Look at the mirror and realize this is what God has done. And either the amazing thing is, he ain't done with me yet. And listen, can I, can, I, can I go a little bit further with this? We, we, we appreciate all the colors and the variations of the sunset. Then why is it when we look over the landscape of humanity, we don't appreciate the hues and the colors as well? Hello? Because no matter what our hue, no matter what our color, no matter what our shape, no matter what our gender, no matter what our size, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Almighty God. See, listen, you and I can't become more until we begin to believe we are who he made us to be. Step out of our comfort zone in every area and achieve this, this initial calling found in the book of Genesis. To do what? To take dominion over life. That when I wake up in the morning, I know that God and I, we got this. That no matter what happens, no matter what weapon is formed against us, no matter what shape the attack takes, we can look in the scripture and say, God, we got this. We got this. I am more than enough because the greater one abides within me. And no weapon that is formed against me can prosper. No word spoken over me can For those words spoken over me in judgment, I do condemn them. How do I condemn them? By being brave enough to say, that's a lie. You and I ought to be courageous enough. Is this okay this morning? If it ain't meaning nothing to you, it's helping me. And since it's all about me. Why? Would you let a lie live in your presence? You are a creature of the truth. You're born of the truth. Build your life upon truth and truth will build your life. When a lie is spoken over you, you ought to say that ain't true. Because see, if you don't reject it and you hear it enough, you'll accept it. You've got to, and it doesn't mean you got to be mean-spirited, but you got to be strong enough to say, no, baby, that ain't true. I ain't going to die when I'm 62. That ain't true. I am not destined to be broke all my life. That ain't true. Well, you're worthless, and you never amount to nothing. Your daddy was nothing, your mama was nothing, and you'll never be nothing. That ain't true. Because I'm loved of God Almighty. It ain't about my daddy. It's about my father. It ain't about my mama. It's about my savior. Come on now. So we build our lives on truth. And when a lie tries to come into our presence, we say, no, 
not here, not now, not ever. You ain't talking those lies in my house. You ain't talking those lies about my children. You ain't talking those lies about my wife. You ain't talking those lies about me. Because it's not the lie that sets you free. See, a lie sometimes feels liberating at first because it gives you an excuse to stay in your comfort zone. You believe the lie, then why try? Well, God ordained me to misery. That's a lie. God didn't save you from sin to make you miserable. He saved you from sin to glorify you. So when you believe it, and I don't care if the preacher's got a Ph.D. Don't let someone lie over you. Don't let them lie about you. And if you can't stop the lie, separate yourself from the lie. Because a lie seems liberating at first, but the end thereof is confinement, imprisonment. It's the truth that sets us free. What is the truth? The truth is you are more than who you appear to be, that the greater one is in you, the greater one has given you gifts, he's given you talents, everything you need to succeed, he's placed within you already. You don't need nothing except him. Listen, a lot of times we use our lack of popular support as an excuse not to try. You don't need 50 people to applaud you. All you need is one to send you. All you need is his word. He's all you need. So if he told you to go out and start, don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. What do I have? I got his word. I got his word. I got his word. And his word is more than enough. I'm stepping out of the boat on his word. When you read that story, you know what story I'm talking about. I don't even know. Listen, who who watches over the lakes? Game wardens? Marine patrol. I think Peter would have got in trouble because I bet you they didn't have a life jacket one in that boat. (laughs) But when when the Lord said, come, I don't read where Peter's strapped on floaties. Lord, I'll be there in a half hour. It takes a while to put this thing on. No, he stepped out out of the boat. He stepped out of a comfort zone at his word. And you and I need to learn when the Lord beckons you, when he calls you to prayer, when he calls you to service, when he calls you to sacrifice, step out of your comfort zone. Because if you stay in the comfort zone, you're aborting your destiny. And I would rather live with a day of his favor than a lifetime of labor. Hallelujah, Father. Listen to this. All development requires devotion. And that's what we see Jesus portraying in here. Listen, when he said you must deny yourself, I want to, y'all looking at me? Listen to me when I tell you this. Because it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a minister or not. Brother Hagen used to tell us that most people will live and die and never enter into the first stage of their ministry. Well, you might think, well, that's okay. That don't apply to me because I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. 
Because every one of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You may not have been ordained by a group of clergy, but you've been ordained by heaven, and that's more important. So all of us have been given a ministry. All of us have been given us a dream, and all of us have this thing called life. Let it not be said of us that we live and die and never enter into the first stage of our life. Well, why? Why would most people live and die and never enter into the first stage? And Brother Hagen always said life has three. Never enter into one. Why? Because we're addicted, especially in our culture. We're addicted to comfort. I guarantee you, if I took all these chairs out and put in wooden pews, I would cut my numbers down by 70%. Because nobody wants to sit on wooden pews anymore. We want some cush for our tush. Come on now. We're, you know we're addicted to being comfortable. And that might work in our society, but it doesn't work in the kingdom. So the first thing he said is, your dream will require self-denial. Your dream will require self-denial. Your dream will also require devotion. Yes. And that's when he said, pick up your cross. He didn't tell you to pick up my cross. Yes. He didn't tell you to pick up his cross. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. What is your cross? A cross is, listen to me, a cross is the ultimate emblem of devotion. That's what it is. It's the ultimate emblem of devotion. So your cross is that thing that you do that's entirely selfless of you and for others. Come on. I got to say I'm preaching better than you, amen. That's, if we're going to become what God has called us to be, fully developed followers of Jesus Christ, whose hands are so anointed that when I lay them on the sick, the sick recover, whose lips are so anointed that when I speak, it comes to pass, that everywhere I go, I can't go into darkness because I am a beacon of light. He said, let your light so shine, you can't overcome me. I can't be overcome. I can't be stolen from. Why? Because my life is hidden in him. But in order to become who he has envisioned us to be, we must be willing to deny self. Trusting that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteous way of doing things and all of these things will be stripped from you. Are you sure? Maybe you're reading that really goofy translation because, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it says that if you give your life to God, you'll be poor, broken, disgusted your whole life. That God will make you live in a little hut on the west side of Africa. Nobody will know you. And the best thing you can have is stick your tongue out hoping raindrops hit it. No, no, that's not what he said at all. He said, if you seek first the kingdom, how do I seek first the kingdom? I divorce myself of self. 
the first question I ask is not how does this bless me, but does how, how does this bless you? Yes. If, if when, when that becomes my mindset that I'm living for the kingdom by blessing you, and that's yes. the first thing that enters in my mind, then I am divorcing myself of self and I'm attaching myself to my cross, which is the ultimate emblem of that which I do to bless somebody else. And Jesus said, if you do this on a daily basis, you will be my disciples and you will find a life that you never could have achieved in your comfort zone. Is this okay this morning? I'm on page one of eight. We're not going to get through. The Bible says all things are possible through Christ, but not this. This is an impossibility. Trust me, I know me. I want to say it again, though. To become Christ-like requires devotion. All development requires devotion. But to be Christ-like requires a devotion to the person and to the process. The Christian faith is inherently uncomfortable. To be a disciple of Jesus is to deny this thing's in my way. There we go. It's to deny oneself, Matthew chapter 16. To take up a cross, Luke 14. To be subject to persecution, John 15. To give up the creature comforts of home, Luke 9. To forsake the priority of family, Luke 9. To be willing to give up all material possessions, Matthew 19. To be crucified with Christ, Galatians 2. And this is just the beginning. C.S. Lewis said this, and I changed it a little bit. But C.S. Lewis said, I didn't go to Christ to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of booze would do that. I lost you all right there. See, because the way the gospel has been presented to us is that we come to Christ and we can be happy. And I want to say this to you. Christ is not committed to your happiness. He's committed to your wholeness, which is why he's willing to make you unhappy. You ever watch a parent whose sole purpose is to make their child happy? Let me say that again. Have you ever been in line at Walmart with either in front of or behind a parent whose only intent and goal in life is to make that little child happy? Then there's a difference between that parent and a parent whose intent is to make their child whole. The intent of your father is to make you whole, which is why you when you may go through seasons of unhappiness. Because what made you happy in the last season is not going to get you through the next season. And just like a child who has to, eventually you got to, what's that thing a child puts in their mouth? Baby, if you're 40 and you still got a pacifier in your mouth, you're too committed to being happy. There comes a time you got to let it go. And any parent knows when you pull the pacifier away from the baby because you know that season of their life has come to an end, it makes them unhappy. But they got to become unhappy so they can go into the next season. This is a season where God is seeking to make us uncomfortable so that we can go into the next season as giants of the faith. Giant slayers, overcomers, victorious ones. Mm. 
C.S. Lewis said, I didn't go to Christ to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of booze would do that. If you want a religion, and this is his quote, to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. But comfort-seeking, listen, comfort-seeking is, is our default mode. So we often find ourselves in comfortable Christianity without even knowing it. And we wonder why the glory is us, because the glory is always outside our comfort zone. Go to John chapter 17. Can you all give me just a few more minutes? John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus said, I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Dr. Miles Monroe says that the word glorify in this verse means true nature or full essence. In other words, Jesus is saying this, by accomplishing the work you gave me to do, I revealed the full essence of who you made me to be. And I've always been amazed by this, that the master didn't say, Father, I've glorified you in my abundance of words. He didn't say I glorified you, glorified you in the amazing sermons that I presented. He didn't even say I glorified you in the abundance of the miracles. He said I glorified you in that, that thing that you birthed me to do, I've done. I finished the work and I have glorified you in that. You and I, the, the best way we can glorify God is to, be, to bloom and be the rose that he called us to be. To be what he called. Quit trying to be someone else. Or quit staying in your comfort zone. And understand that the full essence of you is found when you do the thing he birthed you to do. And in order to do that, you've got to step out. You can't stay in. All throughout the Bible, God made his people uncomfortable. And I want to ask you this, and, and I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'll go ahead and bring this to a close, and we can pick up the remainder next week. How many of you ever heard of Moses? I wonder if you'd have heard of Moses if he would have refused to go back to Egypt. Because, see, going back to Egypt was an uncomfortable proposition. So I wonder... Would we know Moses if Moses had been committed to his comfort? I wonder, would you and I know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if they had refused to go into the fiery furnace? I don't know about you, but I find a fiery furnace an uncomfortable thought. I wonder if you and I would know of Joseph of the Old Covenant had he refused to voice his dream. I wonder if we would know. I, I, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. I wonder about Gideon. Gideon was comfortable in hiding. And the Lord called him out of hiding. I, I wonder, would you and I even know who Gideon is? If Gideon had been committed to his comfort, and instead of saying, yes, Lord, yes, he would have said, I don't think so, Lord, I don't think so. Every character in the Bible that we know, we know because they were willing to be uncomfortable for him. 
They were willing to go where they didn't know if they'd be celebrated. They might be crucified. But if he said go, they went into uncomfortable circumstances and uncomfortable situations, and they became famous. There was a woman named Esther. How many of you ever heard of Esther? Esther had to do something that was uncomfortable, to go uninvited into the presence of the king. But Esther understood something that, in closing, I want you to get this. Esther, to do what she did because it had been made known to her, you've been born for such a time as this. The world needs you. Your people need you. You've got to be willing to be made uncomfortable. Esther, you've got to step out of your comfort zone. And because she was willing to step out of her comfort zone, she saved a nation of people. Do you believe that you were born for such a time as this? Do you believe that God has his hand on you and that he has carved out for you a unique path? It ain't like anyone else's path, so don't look at them. Look at him. And follow the path that he has laid out before you, embracing this one concept. Lord, I'll leave it all behind. Because I know that that which I have got to gain is greater than whatever it is I give up. So I'm willing to employ myself more in your service. I'm willing to pray more, give more, serve more, do more, speak up more. Because I know that I have been born, not by accident. Well, your mama and your daddy, we didn't plan you. Maybe they didn't. He did. Because before the foundations of the world were ever laid, before there was a grasshopper hopping, before there was a cloud floating, before there was a wave rolling, God looked down through the ages and said, I need you right there, right then. And so I'm going to birth you into that time and that society because what I've placed within you, and it may be hidden underneath underneath a rough exterior, but if you know that there's a treasure within, then get the flashlight, Get the pickaxe and go to digging. Because inside your soul, there's something that this world needs and ain't nobody else can deliver it. And if you go to the grave without depositing your treasure, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find you and I'm going to slap you. Why? Because what you have within you We need, we need what is in you. And so you've got to go, Pastor, there ain't nothing in me. That's a lie. Because there's a treasure within you. And I'm trying to bring this to a close. But in the book of Deuteronomy, and this, he said, I'm going to bring you into a good land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. You're going to live in houses that you didn't build. You're going to drink of wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat of vineyards you didn't plant. But then he went on to say, and in those mountains, there's ore. You dig it. This is divine partnership. He's going to give you a lot, but if you want that ore, you got to dig it. 
you got to go into that mountain and you got to say, I know God has hidden something and some of it is easy to see. Some of it, all you got to do is look and you just, you know, you look at certain people and you know, like, good God, that's a, and I say this in a manly way. But there are some men, you look at them, Steve ain't one of them, but there's others. You look at him and you think, that's a good looking man. Some things are just obvious. And, and, and in our culture, my wife has, because, you know, I'm enamored by people. I love people. God has blessed me in more than one time to be able to see people through his eyes. And I got to tell you, you're wonderful. You are truly a sight to behold. It's, just, it's amazing just to look at y'all. But my wife's had to tell me sometimes when I'd look at it and I'd say, a woman who's not my wife, and I'd say, you're beautiful. My wife would say, you got to watch that. Because of, we got tainted minds. Right? But the truth of the matter is, you are. Yeah. You are, and you need to hear that because you've heard the lie too many times. And never, I, you know, when you see these people that are absolutely stunningly gorgeous and they actually believe they're ugly, wow. why? It's a lie. It's a lie. it's a lie that has got on the inside and it has toxified their systems. But in bringing this to a close, what I got to say, some things are easy to see, but the true treasure is not. The true treasure was buried in there by the Holy Spirit because he wanted you to activate your faith and by faith pull it up, make it marketable, and present it. Present it. Why? Because that's the value you'll leave to the planet. This is what I've got. It might only be one song. It might only be one poem. It might only be one ministry. It might only be one business. It doesn't matter what it is. This is a gift that God placed in me, and I leave it on the planet yeah. and I leave I leave without it because I leave it behind Man. because I, I I heard a sermon one day in this little gymnasium that said if I leave my comfort zone I can accomplish great things they'll know me like they knew Moses and they'll know me like they knew David and they'll know me and if the Lord tarries for a thousand generations a thousand generations Woo. from now they might be preaching about you Come on. well pastor that's impossible why why? How do you know that one song that you write won't become a hymn? How do you know that one idea, that one entrepreneurial seed that you won't employ an entire city? Everyone stand to your feet. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Father. Good night. I only made it to page two. Wow, that's a good one. Ooh, I could have talked about Abraham. Wow. No, you keep standing up. Don't tempt me. God loves you. And love never ever has made a failure so I want you to hear this and if you want to receive it as a prophetic word receive it as a prophetic word but let this sink into your heart it doesn't matter how many times you failed you're not a failure you're a gift from God you're a treasure there's something in you that this planet needs and if it didn't need it you wouldn't be here so can I beg you dig deep Pull it up. Yeah. Hallelujah, Father. 
So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for that wooing of the Spirit to come out from our comfortable places and to employ ourselves in uncomfortable places. Because our desire, Father, is to glorify you in the same way that our Master glorified you, to finish our race, to complete the task, and to leave it all behind. Father, I thank you that this is possible by your Spirit. This is not a message about ego. It's not a narcissistic message. It's a self-denial message. But it's a message of the kingdom. And so we receive it and we embrace it, and we declare in Jesus' name, we will do it. I just had a man, you can keep standing because I'm not preaching another sermon, and we will bring this to a close, but how many of you ever heard of the name D.L. Moody? If you've not heard the name, you probably have heard of Moody, Moody Bible College, Moody Institute, Moody this, Moody that, Moody Church. He left so much behind, and he died almost 100 years ago, and yet his name still reverberates on the lips of many people. D.L. Moody was an extremely obese shoe salesman from Chicago who gave his life to Jesus and heard a preacher say that the world has never yet seen what God can do through a man or a woman who's fully devoted to him. And D.L. Moody, an obese shoe salesman, said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. And he traveled the world. He, his only rival for soul winning would have been Billy Graham. He won that many people to the Lord. He said, in my whole library, I've only got sermons and four of them stink. 400 of them stink. I've only got 300 good sermons. And he changed the world. You can do it. You can change the world in which we live. You can make this a better place. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, your people and I dismiss them in your name to go and make a difference. Amen. If I can have our prayer team come up. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. If you need prayer this morning, if you're here and you, you need someone to come in agreement with you, please come forward. If you don't know Jesus, come forward. Other than that, you are dismissed, love, to go in the grace of God. Pastor, what time should we be here next?